Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong. And while the Mets were choking on dead fish, the, the markets across the region were actually doing quite well. Yes, uh, doing me- uh, quite well, but the gains are meager, if there's anything to, uh, to describe this by. There's no choking, but there's no, uh, <laughs> there are no home runs being hit at the moment. You're getting some, uh, you're getting some uh, run-of-the-mill singles, if, for lack of a better term. The, Nothing uh, the Mets the region- Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, know, I know at this point you would, you would settle for a couple of singles, right? I would settle for a couple of singles. You're right. And, uh, so, but there are some of them getting the first base, at least so far today. You're seeing the Nikkei 225 resume trading today up by about 15 and a half points. So as I mentioned, gains are meager, but they're there nevertheless. Right. The ASX 200 was swinging between gains and losses, currently up by about six points. Shanghai, Shenzhen, even Hong Kong today, all trading in the green. But gains are not that impressive, including here in Singapore. Yes, I did say it that finally it seems that we are breaking through those days of funk and days of uh, of losses or flatness mm-hmm. for the STI. And, but, and, uh, and we've got a ways to go, but we are steadying ourselves above 3,150. This is a 0.4% intraday gain, up by about uh, almost 14 points as we head deeper into the afternoon session. But once again, you guessed it, value turnover today, not very impressive. Once again, we are only seeing 379 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. So not a lot of people seem that imp- uh, that uh, impressive. Or, or the markets... Or markets are not that Not much motivation. I think they also, they're also feeling, uh, they're feeling like their home team just got drubbed. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you know, misery loves company. You're not the only one who's feeling a bit uh, a bit sluggish today, to like Larissa. But uh, but on the on the flip, and you're seeing it also. I mean, if you're looking for anything that stands out in terms of movement, there's it's just a sense of mus- musical chairs at the moment. Most uh, blue chips yesterday closed in the red. Most of them are in the green so far today. UOB, DBS, the banks are all trading well today. They're all seeing intraday gains. Um, one of one of Monday's uh, notable exceptions to the sell off or the uh, pullback. Hong Kong land is one of today's exceptions to the uh, to gains. They are actually down by about 1.4%. It's a, a rather challenging session, to be honest, for some of the, for the House of Jardine. Hong Kong land's U.S. dollar-denominated shares down by 1.4%. Jardine Matheson, Jardine Strategic, also seeing very slight losses so far today. Dairy Farm also looking a bit challenged. But elsewhere, if you uh, just uh, take your pick, you've got the SGX up by 1.7%. Yang Zichang Shipbuilding up by almost 2% in today's session. Even Singtel is choosing to, to try, try, uh, try a shade of green on for a change. SPH also looking relatively strong today, 2.9%. This has been a decent last couple of weeks, actually, for SPH, to be honest. And we were coming off of, an, off of a pummeling and punishing August. But the, the September schedule has been relatively okay for SPH, now trading at $2.14. Keppel Corporation also up by about 1.5%. So it is a good day, but I think it's just a sense of musical chairs right now. Mm-hmm. Some of the gainers yesterday are taking a step back, perhaps just a bit of profit-taking hitting Hong Kong land. If you're wondering if this is down to the ongoing political unrest in Hong Kong, partial, maybe, but um, I will point out the fact that the Hang Seng today is trading about 0.4%. So it's not a question, I think, of market malaise happening in Hong Kong that's pulling um, some of these Hong Kong-exposed stocks here right. down with it so far today. I think it's just a matter of uh, folks just uh, 
switching roles, trading places, and really assessing some of these changing developments. Changing partners. Changing partners, perhaps. <laughs> ah, I remember that, that was an old song from back in the day. Um, and I think it's also down to people just trying to sort out what's going to happen with U.S.-China trade talks. U.S. Treasury, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin, for one, said that, yes, you, by the way, Liu He, the vice premier, he's coming here next week, mm-hmm. which sent markets a buzz. And then he said, oh, my mistake. It's actually going to happen in two weeks from now. Right. And a bit of a disagreement, actually, between um, uh, or just a little bit of a, a disagreement, I guess, or rebuke from U.S. President Donald Trump when Mnuchin clarified that they were the ones that requested Chinese trade negotiators or the trade delegation not to visit these U.S. farms. Uh, the first person to ask question uh, to ask why was President Trump at the same at the same uh, at the same conference. We said, "Well, why did you do that? Why would we ask for that?" He said, "Well, the d- domestic reasons. It's not under schedule. We're going to tackle that next week." And Trump a- apparently told Mnuchin, his Treasury Secretary, "Yeah, but I want them to start buying farm goods from us." Which, by the way, China did. They started. Re- they bought yet another shipment of soybeans mm-hmm. from the U.S. just uh, just just in the last twenty four hours. So. There are signs that it's moving forward, but is it going to happen next week? Is it going to happen on October 10? We're not entirely sure. Mind you, we're, we're coming very close to the start of October already. And I think markets are just getting a little bit antsy, wanting some of that um, confirmation or, uh, or clarity on, as to when those talks might happen. And so far, I think this is also why gains and trading activity have been relatively muted so far. A little bit positive, but not really. Yeah, then be a bit of. We're a bit hedging of, our bets. I mean, br- they're taking breaths, but very shallow ones at that. Oh, Just all right. Very shallow breathing at the moment. Well, yeah. how are Maple Tree Commercial Trust doing? Ah, very good question, actually. This is the second day at school, mm-hmm. if uh, we may call it that for Maple Tree Commercial on the STI. They're playing with the big boys. They're in the advanced section so far today. Maple Tree Commercial Trust still up by about 0.4%. It's not by a lot. And I think uh, you're seeing gains for Maple Tree Commercial just even out a bit, but it's a steady climb. Climb for the new kid on the STI block. Maple Tree Commercial now worth about $2.28 per unit so far. So then they're also among the 10 most among the ten most uh, heavily traded um, issues on the SJX, be it a stock or a read at the moment. So, so they're up there for sure, and they're having a decent day, but we'll see if they can hold on to that because these intraday gains, it's just one cent higher. No, oh, that's... I suppose somebody would be excited by that. I, I think uh, maybe if you had like fifty million shares, yeah, or something. right? If you had fifty million shares, look, if your if your stock is trading in the green today, it's a good day, especially right. given the fact that many of them actually pulled back the other day, and also the fact that if they can lock in two straight days again, that will be a nice uh, way to start off life at this on the Straits Times Index for this newcomer. Also, um, so Maple Tree Commercial doing okay. We'll, we'll, we'll check in on how they're doing at the closing bell and see if they hold on to this or even add a couple of cents to that. That would be kind of nice, right? A couple of cents would be nice, then mm-hmm. you don't need the 50 million dollars. Yes, there you go. <laughs> All right, Keppel to buy 30% of Guangzhou commercial project. I don't actually know what this is in, in money, I understand. 141 million Hong Kong. That is about 24.8 million Singapore dollars. Worth. Okay, that's so it's, uh, that ain't it's a uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 significant for you and I. Perhaps it's a uh, it's it's pocket change for the folks at Keppel. This is true. But thirty percent stake still in WinUp Global, which will ultimately owns Westman Plaza. This is an office and retail development in Guangzhou, China, and uh, it seems this is brokered by Keppel Land China, which they've and, and they've entered a share sale and shareholder loan transfer agreement with Top Chain Group. That's a Chinese real estate developer to take that stake. So the seventy percent will still be held by Top Chain, but it seems Keppel Corporation is coming in as a minority partner in this particular venture. And it's in line with Keppel Land China's strategy to try and grow their commercial portfolio with a focus on first-tier cities, Guangzhou qualifying as that, a first-tier city in China at the moment. And uh, it also marks their first entry 
into the Guangzhou region. So as we know, there is quite a bit of interest also in this particular space. This is part of that Pearl, of that, uh, Pearl Greater Bay Area and Pearl Del- Delta that, that a lot of investments going to go towards in, uh, the, in the greater Chinese area. And perhaps Keppel just trying to get a little bit more of a footprint in this uh, particular space also. Um, just to put into context, this is a commercial project that's about a five-minute walk to Siemens Coast Station on Metro Line 1. So they're going to be connected to the Guangzhou Station. It's almost like, a, I'd probably say, like, it's like walking from here to Brattle at the moment. So this is kind of what the distance is. And uh, it's going to be near the office submarket of ESU District, which, how, which has a cluster of government agencies, research education institutions. So there could be uh, the, the upside for the demand here. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're situated against uh, close to some of these areas of interest in Guangzhou might actually play well for them. I think one of the, one of the things we'll have to watch out for in the coming years, usually you'll see a lot of these companies come in with a small stake and then suddenly say, you know what, I kind of like this. I want to take the whole pie, usually after about a year or two. It's so we'll see if this. Street. Yeah, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, perhaps this is just Keppel saying, you know, I want to get a taste of this first and see if mm. this is worth, if the whole pie is worth buying. But I, I'm, I'm happy with this slice. Right. Well, 26 but, million would be a mere slice to uh, Keppel. Cole. No, and a very small one at that. Yeah. And, and the risk might not be. Uh, it doesn't seem like a, it seems like a like a low risk bet at the moment, given also the fact that uh, you're also seeing the the consumer side of China continuing to grow, also and it being cited as a possible shelter from the U.S.-China trade war because the Chinese consumer is growing in importance, not just because of the uh, growing incomes you're seeing in China, mm-hmm. but also the fact that the, the government continues to try to slowly but surely rebalance the economy towards uh, towards being a consumer-driven one. So you know if they can if they can capitalize on this at least at least for Keppel Land, this might be uh, this might this might prove to be a rather lucrative or interesting first four at least into the Guangzhou area. You'll be watching what they do with it mm. in the coming months. No, and absolutely. if they if they make a bigger footprint. Oh yes. That yes. That'll uh, be interesting. That'll be nice. All right. So you know the, the word recession has been sort of bandied around and and thrown at us like the boogeyman, but it seems to be a word that more and more people are readying themselves for. Now you and I probably not have that second beer on Friday night. But when Unless when, it's free. Un- unless it's free. I don't know where you go, but nobody ever gives me beer. <laughs> but I go where the cheap beer is, by the you, you way. Anyway, the bef- before is. we digress. We, di- we already have. Yes. However, if you are those families with really large stockpiles of money, maybe we don't want them to be stockpiling money. But that uh, seems to be what they're doing. I think that's the case. And I think it's also, uh, it begs the question as to what, what uh, their advisors are telling them. Now, I'll keep in mind, too, that uh, GIC, or the CEO of GIC also, the, of, the, of the country's sovereign wealth fund, has also advised investors or saying, is saying in their outlook that they're going to keep some cash and things that investors should keep a little bit of cash aside to keep, and keep the powder dry because of some uncertainties down sure. the road. So even they're stockpiling a little bit of cash. Um, uh, these Some of these wealthy families, though, that have that, that, that help manage family offices, which is basically in vehicles that manage mm-hmm. big sums of wealth that are controlled by certain wealthy families also. So for the head of Stone Family Office, they actually say that uh, that they're trying to deploy cash because they're also skeptical that the bond market will provide any real return. Now, this goes back to that whole thing, uh, that, that trend we're seeing with right. lower interest rates at the moment. And the fact that everyone is scrambling to find yield. Well, some families are just saying, you know what, we're, just, we're not even going to partake in that because this could actually increase our risk profiles. Yep. We might be taking on, 
we might be taking on risks that we sh- probably shouldn't for the sake of chasing some of these yields. And they also believe that the equity markets will suffer a substantial drop. They also think that too much vi- venture capital or private equity money will be going around to chase too few opportunities. Now, when there's so much money going after some of these private equity deals, what happens? You start to see valuations start to blow it up because it becomes a bidding war. Um, we've seen that happen with some of these IPOs also recently. Um, uh, and I think it's also, and despite all of that money going around for looking for these opportunities, mm-hmm. we're seeing the likes of WeWork being valued at, at these high valuations, Uber at one point being bandied as a $100 billion company. Right. So I think at the moment, I think everyone's taking a bit of a step back, taking a bit of a reality check, these family offices among them also. Um, this actually spoken to by uh, a former partner at Cadwallader, Wickersham and Taft. He actually said in this article in the business, uh, that's being quoted Bloomberg, that it's been, very, it's been a very hard time for family offices to try and allocate money. So they're going to probably just keep it maybe under the mattress, maybe in the shoebox at the moment, wait for things to... Yeah, but these are exactly the kind of people we want spending. Oh, yeah. And these are the ones with the liquidity that you want moving around looking right. for opportunities. But if they're even saying that, you know what, the things are just too uncertain at the moment and we're getting dizzy, we need to sit down and just uh, and just assess what's going on. Um, they're not the only ones, too. This is the view that's been shared by many family offices that UBS recently surveyed. They do release a global family office report and they do that in line with Campton Research. The majority of them expect that the global economy will enter a recession by 2020, with a lot of the uh, with a high percentage of these gloomy respondents coming from emerging markets. So when the emerging markets are looking pessimistic moving forward, um, this doesn't paint the most encouraging picture. The other thing I wanted to point out is a number of even some of the uh, some of the uh, some of the more reputable economists who don't think a recession is coming think that it will come not because of the data. They've pointed out, hey, look. The U.S. economy, at least if we're talking about the U.S. economy, it's still growing at these levels. Inflation still uh, within the target policy range at mm-hmm. the moment or coming close to it within three steps of it. You've got, the, you've got un- unemployment uh, near those 30-year lows also. They actually believe that at the moment because of all of these recessionary fears, it's actually going to will an actual recession. So it's a, it's a matter of if you build it or if you think it, it will come. Right. But you can't really blame folks for doing that because there's so much uncertainty. And when there's uncertainty, you start to stoke this fear. This could actually be one of those triggers that leads to a recession. I think you're seeing the, a lot of this pessimism coming out from what's being surveyed or what's being told to UBS by some of these multifamily offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that doesn't seem like good news because, again, I say these are exactly the people we want spending. Hmm. Yeah. I will, you know, stockpile what little cash I have. And, well, we're and, supposed to be doing the stockpiling, right? And, so. and, and not buying that second beer. They're the ones that can, you know, put out some slices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think but, uh, and, uh, you, you'll probably see less discretionary spending from these folks. So uh, I just... I hate to be a, I hate to paint the stereotype of a of a wealthy of an ultra rich family wealthy family, but probably no second yacht this year. Oh, mm. poor things! <laughs> All righty. So rest of the day, are we going to hit a billion? Now, are we going to hit a billion? This is something <laughs> I would not bet again. Bet bet, bet on, on at the moment. Um, uh, it's still at three hundred ninety one. Right. If, if we had crossed four fifty today, I would have said we were within within striking distance of that. I do want to point out though that we thought the same thing last Friday, and then we saw a sudden spike. Mm-hmm. in value turnover in the last 20 minutes of trade. 
So it's in at 458, it was literally at about 780 million or so. Mm -hmm. And then within the span of 20 minutes, it spiked up to about one and a half, one, 1.6 billion. Right. So am I, am I, am I hopeful that we might see a repeat or an encore of that? I don't think so. Maybe not on a Tuesday. Maybe not on a Tuesday. And maybe also one of the reasons why it happened on a Friday was because of that rebalancing that we saw. A lot of this rebalancing. So a lot of folks coming in at the end, especially these institutions saying, okay, let's, let's, let's lock this in. Let's, uh. Let's recalibrate our exposures and our, our benchmarking to some of these passive indices, that, thus expecting that spike. I don't think that's going to happen today. And I think uh, you're still going to see a lot of this wait and see attitude, at least until the end of the month or at least until we get a firm date. Is it going to be next week, Mr. Mnuchin? Is it going to be on September, on October 10, right. when you actually meet, when Vice Premier Liu He decides to book his ticket and, uh, to Washington, D.C. and resume those high-level trade talks? And are we going to see more agricultural products uh, Bought from uh, bought by Chinese uh, by Chinese traders moving forward. These are some of uh, some of the some of some of our favorite questions on the markets. Well, maybe you'll have some answers for our listeners when prime time comes on at four p.m. Remember, JP comes back on Money FM eighty nine point three for prime time from four p.m. You can listen to him and the latest market updates. Then, this has been Market View on Workday Afternoon. I'm Clarissa Montero. He's JP Ong. This is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.